Hey, welcome to our series, Problem of God, where we're answering big questions about faith. Is God real? Is Jesus the Son of God? Is the Bible really God's word? We hope you'll join us for each and every one of these discussions as we continue traveling through Acts. Before you log off, don't forget to fill out that connection card. You can do it at branchlife.church and stay through the end of the talk today where I've got some more important information for you. We hope that this series helps answer some of life's big questions. And thanks again for joining us for the problem of God. Happy Easter, everybody. We're so glad that you are here today. If you are excited that Jesus Christ is alive and well, let me hear you say amen. amen. Oh, man, it's a great day to celebrate, and thank you for singing passionately this morning for us that follow Jesus Christ. This is one of the greatest days that represents the, the rising of Jesus, victory over death, the proven fact that Jesus is the Son of God. And today, we're going to talk about that, and uh, we're excited that you've joined us here at Branch. If this is your first time with us, welcome. We're so glad that you are here. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Branch Life. And if you didn't get it on the way in, we have a gift for you, one of these Acts journals. We're traveling through the book of Acts here at Branch, and we're going to be on page, uh, I think like 82 today, somewhere in there. And uh, you can use these journals, whether you're just passing through, we want to give it to you as a gift today. Or if you're able to continue joining us, use these as we continue going through Acts. So if you have your journal, you can grab those. We're jumping into a brand new series today called The Problem of God, based on the next few chapters in the book of Acts. Now here, here is the problem of God. It, the, the, the reason for the series is to answer questions skeptics ask. One of the things that happens in the book of Acts is Jesus uh, has ascended into heaven after his resurrection. The Holy Spirit has come upon the believers that's empowering them to be witnesses in the world. And this thing called the church that you are, are, are next to today, you're participating in today, was born. And the church began to be built. And the apostles, the acts of the apostles is all of the stories about how this church went from just a few hundred people in an upper room to millions and millions and millions and millions of people today, the greatest movement the world has ever known. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So in the beginning in Acts, the church was starting to spread. And last week we, we read that Paul and Barnabas were sent out and they went out to start spreading the word. Here's the assignment that Paul and Barnabas had. They had to start traveling first in their own backyard, but then to the entire known world from place to place to place, and they talked to groups of people, they talked to families, they talked to individuals, they talked to friends, they talked to strangers, and here's what their assignment was. Paul, you need to get them to stop believing whatever they're believing and start believing in Jesus. How would you like that assignment, right? 
travel around the world and convince people to stop believing what they're believing and start believing in Jesus. Man, what a challenge. Because if you know people like I know people, people are pretty stubborn, right? They have, they have like beliefs that are like ground in, yeah? And they're going to do crazy things for those beliefs. It's something they've had since birth or tradition they've been a part of, something they learned or they even read it on the internet and now they believe it, right? And they're going all in. Well, what this series does is it follows Paul as he has these conversations and answers questions that skeptics ask. Now, I think this is a good thing. I am not opposed to skepticism. As a matter of fact, I'm a pretty skeptical guy. Just a couple of weeks ago, we started helping uh, in, our, in our community. In North Coventry, there was another apartment fire, and we stepped into that. God has called us to, to respond in our area to love our neighbors, and so we stepped into this apartment fire and started helping these 14 families that lost everything and, and collecting for them gift cards and getting the word out to help resource them through these needs. Well, somebody very generously wanted to give $100 to each family. So we got uh, $1,400 that we needed to give to these families. And he said, but I want you to turn it into gift cards and I don't have time to do it. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. That, that was my first mistake. Because have you ever gone to Walmart and tried to buy $1,400 worth of gift cards? So I grab all these, you know, 14 cards, $100 for each one, take them up to the register, lay them down, and I'm very excited, and she's like, oh, honey. I'm like, what? What's going on? She's like, you're being scammed. I'm like, I am not being scammed. She goes, oh, you're being scammed. You want 1,400, are you going to send these to some stranger on the internet and give them all your codes and stuff like that? Because that's what scammers do. And I'm like, I am a smart, I am a pastor of a church, I am helping neighbors in need we're converting the look here's the article about the fire i'm legit i wouldn't get scammed like that you can't send me an email because if i get some email that says go get a bunch of gift cards and and it's for your i'm like "Mm -hmm, right i wouldn't fall for that my dad might fall for something like that but i wouldn't fall for anything like that so so i have i have this healthy uh healthy idea of skepticism that i think is good the questions that skeptics in particular ask are good questions. They're legit questions. They're important questions that we all should ask. And all of these questions have really good answers if the answer is in the truth of God. All truth is God's truth, and we can deliver truth. So truth is not scared of questions. And so over these next several weeks through April and May, we're going to be answering a different big question that skeptics ask as we receive this assignment to help people stop believing what's untrue and start believing what is true. Well, how do we know it's true? That's what we're going to travel through over the next couple weeks. You see, the problem of God, and, and, and that most of us have, is that many, many, many people say they believe in God, but they live like they don't. So when Paul gets his assignment in Acts chapter 13, he travels to a room full of people in a synagogue, religious people who all had faith in God, and he starts to speak to them. And just like in Paul's day, if you're here today, you're probably a part of this 81% of people who believe in God. Welcome to the first Easter with the least amount Americans as ever who believe in God. 
Just in June 2020, as the survey was taken, it's been taken since the 1940s, we have now hit the lowest percentage ever of Americans who say they believe in God. If you would say, do you believe in God or a higher power, this number actually jumps up to 90%. And while we as, as believers in Christ bemoan the decline in a belief in God, I want you just to realize something. 81% is a doggone good grade on any math test I've ever taken, right? Like if it's a spelling test and I'm 80 or above, I'm like cheering like crazy. Like that's pretty good. There's a lot of, 90% of people believe in a higher power. That's like, we're sure of stuff. Now, here's, here's the problem of God, though. If, if God does exist, then that should change the way we live. And most of these 90% of people who say they believe in God live like he's not around. It doesn't affect their day-to-day. It doesn't affect their conversations and their choices. It doesn't affect their, their time with family and their work. Yet, if God was real, that should change everything. I want to compare it to this stat. 99% of people believe in sharks. 99% of people believe in sharks. Where's the other 1%? They're on the dark web, my friends. They're they're sending you videos in your messenger app. They're they're wanting you to share those posts on Instagram. They they don't believe in sharks. They're trying to get you to do the same thing. I don't know what the 1% is doing, but there is a thing out there called sharks, and they are alive and well, and they want to kill you. If you haven't, watch the documentary Jaws, right? It, It just gives you the facts about what's happening in this world. If you're skiing, they're underneath you, watching you, waiting for you to fall. Sharks exist. And so we have then, if we can prove that sharks exist by the documentaries and the internet videos and, oh, by the way, swimming and getting all, my kids have started watching when sharks attack on Disney Plus. It's been on like repeat all weekend. I'm still trembling a little bit. My greatest fear in life is sharks and that's probably legit. It's called the problem of sharks. It's a problem of sharks. Now, if sharks exist, it should affect the way we swim. Now, people know that I'm scared of sharks. And you people send me videos all the time. (laughs) At least twice a week, I'm getting a video tagged or posted on Instagram. Our neighbor Kelly this week sent us the report of all the shark pings on the on the thing, the shark map with the satellites and the North Carolina, there's a lot right now. Don't go, if you're in North Carolina and you're watching online, stay on shore. This is what my wife sent me this week. Yeah, let's watch that again, okay? and learn she's gonna get in the water it's a beautiful day for a swim oh wait there's something swimming towards me the tiger shark is waiting to bite my face off and she doesn't even panic right she's just like dooby-doo oh i'm gonna die like let me just get back to my safe and happy place yeah that woman's psychotic right she's a part of the one percent posting on the on the on the instagram She's telling you there's no such thing as sharks. She's just going to stay in there, right? What happens to her? She's dead. Her head's in the shark's mouth. She's gone, right? If she didn't believe in sharks, she's going to go swimming with that thing, and it's going to eat her. It's going to change her. But 
thankfully, she believes in sharks. And she saw the truth of the reality of what was happening. An appropriate amount of fear and skepticism came into her mind. And she said, I'm going to get back out of here because the, the reality of sharks is real. What if God is real? What if God is real? How would that change things? In Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 16, we see this account of Peter having this first conversation with his neighbors as he's going out to spread the word about Jesus being, born, uh, being raised from the dead. And in, in page 76, you'll see him begin a speech amongst a bunch of religious people, and he says this in verse 16, you who fear God, listen. You who fear God, listen. If you believe in God, if you are part of the 90% that say there's got to be something greater out there, then here's what you need to do this morning. On this Easter Sunday in 2023, you need to listen. You need to listen and understand that it radically transforms our everyday lives if God is real. For those that don't believe in God, it's, it's a... It's, it's amazing to me. I actually think it takes more faith to hold a true atheistic position than it does to hold a belief in God and a resurrected Jesus. I, I think it, it, it's, it's a difficult argument to get to the conclusion that there is no God, there is nothing after death. We are here by chance on our own. And that's why most people in the world, in most cultures, in most of time, the high, high, high percentage have a belief in God, in the supernatural, something above ourselves. Now, if that God did exist, wouldn't he demonstrate his reality? Would he show up in some way, shape, or form? And the answer is yes. And if God is real, listen, we need to understand this. He's in charge, not me. The first thing Paul does in the conversation in Acts chapter 13 is he starts traveling through 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, and 22. You can look in your journals and starts telling stories about the evidence of God, where he has shown up, and the things that he has done that's been incredible and amazing. And the first thing that he points out is that this God who exists is actually in charge. Much like sharks are in charge of the ocean, God is in charge of the universe. And he's out there ruling and reigning, not me. Now, most of us live our lives like we're in charge of me, right? It's called control. Do any of you struggle with control? Are any of you control freaks out there? Would you be willing to raise your hand? If I told you to raise your hand and you're a control freak, you wouldn't. Why? Because I said so, right? Yeah, and you're, and you're not the boss of me, so I'm not raising my hand. Maybe you're not the one with control issues. Maybe it's the person next to you, and like six people just elbowed their spouses. Like, bam. Like, don't, I'm not, yes, I am. We all deal with control. It's why people love these video games where they can create avatars that they can live in this cyber world, right? Meta, Facebook's now meta, and you can now run somebody's life from your controller, from your goggles, from your keyboard, and you are now in total control of this little avatar, making him do whatever it is you want to do. Why? Because all of us have a God complex. We all think we're in control. We think that we are actually making things happen. That's not true. If God is real, we've got to understand something. We're very limited. We're very, very stupid. We're very ignorant. We're very weak. But God is very great and very much in charge. Not me. 
And, and here's what I want to relieve every control freak of this morning. You ready for it? Get ready. The pressure's going to go. You're not in charge. You don't have to be. You don't, you don't have to figure it out. You don't have to solve the problem. You don't have to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders like it's all up to you because it's not. How freeing is that? Just let it go. You don't have to solve all the politic problems of this world. <gasps> you don't have to watch the news 24-7 and figure out how to write notes to get everything solved. Wow. All the things that are going wrong in your family and all the problems and the conflict and everything, it's not your job to sit in there and make everything right. You can actually enjoy Easter ga- gathering today. Just have fun. Just go with the flow. Whatever happens, happens. And when God created us, he didn't create us to be in charge. He created us to follow him. To follow him and to give him glory. And look in Acts chapter 13, verse 17. The God of Israel chose our fathers and made the people great. Where does greatness come from? Where does authority come from? Where does the privilege for you to be a father or a mother come from? Where does the the honor for you to be a, a CEO or a coach or a teacher, where does all that come from? That comes from God. He's the one who chooses our path. He's the one who is directing, and he is the one who makes people great. In Acts chapter 13, verse 19, it says, and after destroying seven nations in Canaan, what? This God can destroy seven nations if he wants to. He has that ultimate power. One of these stories is the story of Joshua. Remember Joshua in the the battle of Jericho? Joshua is not my favorite character in the Bible, but he, I like him a lot. Why? Because he's got a great name. Yeah. And, and just an incredible name. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, but what did he do? Nothing. He walked around the wall a bunch of times, and then the whole city fell, right? That's God destroying the seven nations. Then what did God do? Well, after that, he gave their land like it was theirs in the first place as an inheritance. He just gave it to them. God's in charge. And Paul's reminding him of this, and in, in Acts 13, 20 and 22, he says, he is over the judges and the kings. He's over the presidents and CEOs. He's over the teachers and the principals. He's over the, the managers. He's over the schedulers and the, the influencers. He's over the pastors and the parents. He's over all authority. He's the one who's actually in charge. It reminds me of this evidence of morality and why most people believe in the existence of God is because when you look at the evidence and you start putting the totality of evidence together, you realize that a belief in God is not unreasonable, it's very reasonable. And it's not, it's not a large leap to run the ramp of reason into faith in God and Jesus. And one of those evidence is the evidence of morality and it simply states this, and you can look these up, they're well documented, there's books about these, these evidences. That how does this idea of right and wrong even come to an existence? And not just an idea of right and wrong, but a university, universally held agreement on what is right and wrong. I mean, there is universal disgust and disdain for evil in this world. Whether you've been born here in the 20th century or centuries ago. Whether you're from America or you're from some other country, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, whether you're male or whether you're female, we have an agreed baseline for what is egregious and what is wrong and what is evil. Murdering someone else who is innocent is evil, right? Abusing another person, whether it's a husband abusing a wife or a parent abusing a child, is evil. 
And I could go on and give worse and worse and worse examples that I just don't even want to bring them up in our minds today, where all of us would 100% of the time, 100% of agree that that's wrong. How come everyone everywhere has that baseline standard? Is it our brains that are just coming to the same conclusion? Is it our culture that we were raised in? Is it the environments that we find ourselves in? No, if it was any of, is it the government that decides? If it was any of those things, we would have a disjointed uh, opinion of what's right and wrong. We would start to serve ourselves and ourselves alone, and we would declare ourselves the moral standards of this world, but God has written into all of us a code of morality where we know instinctively what is right and wrong. Well, where does that come from? That has to come from someone outside of us. That has to come from someone who has influence on all of us, not just our physical beings, but our spiritual beings. That's the evidence of morality. It just points to the fact that there's got to be someone else in charge who's making the law, and who's calling the shots. Well, if God is in charge, how should that change our everyday lives? Well, one way it changes it is if God is real, that means you can trust him with everything. If God is real, that means you can trust him with everything. Just last weekend, I was at a prayer meeting in Pottstown with, a, with friends, and we were sitting around a, a table, and the prayer meeting had gone on for a couple of hours, and after, after some time, a gentleman came into the prayer meeting and he was obviously late. He was elderly and he was by far the oldest person in the room and he, he came in and you could tell he was struggling physically. You could tell the reason he was late because he was having a difficult day and he was just moving slowly and someone else got the food for him and he got him to a chair where he could rest. And, and here is this man in his 90s who I've met many times who, who they call elder. And he sat down next to me, little old young me, just barely, uh, well, Today is my older brother's birthday. He's 10 minutes older than me. He's turned 45 today, so I want to wish Jared a happy birthday all the way down in South America. This elder in his 90s sat next to me in my 40s, and we had been discussing our great opinions on life and, and what we need to learn from the God's Word that day, and they stopped out of respect for the elder who showed up late, and they said, Elder, do you have anything to share? And the elder said something that I've heard many elders in my life say over and over and over again. And it went something like this. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I apologize for being late, but here's the one thing I do know. And he took a breath. You need to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him with your steps today, and your steps tomorrow, and your steps the next day, and he will direct your path. And that's all I got to say about that. Now why does that elder, with his vast life experience, obviously dealing with trouble, come back to, of all things he could say to a group of young men, trust in the Lord with all your heart. My grandmother growing up did the same thing to me when I was growing up. She gave me a Bible. She wrote in the leaf of my Bible as she was struggling with dementia and Alzheimer's. Dear Josh, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Even when you're facing Alzheimer's, even when you're facing dementia, even when you're facing being a widow for 30 years, even when life is difficult, trust in the Lord with all your heart. My grandfather, who was 106 years old, just passed away this past year. He would, every person he met, they would say, what's the secret of life at 105, at 104, at 102? He'd look, shake their hand, look them in the eye, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean down on your understanding. All your ways knowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Why? 
every single one learned that God is real, and if he's real, I can trust him. I can trust him with anything that I may face today. What are you holding on to right now that is causing you stress, causing you pain, it's causing you hurt, it's causing you worry, it's causing you anxiety? What are you holding on to? What are you trying to control? What are you trying to manipulate? What are you trying to figure out? What I want to tell you this morning and the message you may need to hear today is on this Easter Sunday, because Jesus is alive, you can trust God with whatever that is. You can hand it over to him and stop carrying that burden. The second thing that Paul says to this group of God believers is he says, listen, if God is real, he's eternal, not me. He's eternal, not me. In the stories that Paul is telling and reminding them them, in Acts chapter 13, 20, all those stories, he said, these stories took 450 years. That's a long time, right? And the same character is on year one as is it on year 450. And who's that character? God. All the other characters changed. Why? Because they died. Because we don't live We're not the beginning and the end. We're not the alpha and the omega. We have a beginning. God does not. He's from the eternal past and he'll be forever in the eternal forward. God is above time and he's over time. And he is spirit and truth. And this eternal God who has been affecting the actions of this world is alive and well and always has been and always will be. It reminds me of the evidence of causality. Another discussion that, that we have and when talking about the reality of God and how we can know that he exists is that everything that we know has to have a cause. If something happens, something has caused that thing to happen, the evidence of causality. This is a, a truth principle that's agreed on by everyone everywhere. And so when you ask the biggest question of all time, the universe has come into existence, how? Something had to cause it. There had to be something behind the start of the universe. And for years and years and years, scientists and philosophers said, you have two options when trying to answer the question, where do we all come from? Either the universe has always existed in some form, or there's a God who's always existed in some form, a higher power. And those are your two options. As a matter of fact, Albert Einstein, a famous scientist, held on to this idea that the universe is the cause, that the universe itself has always existed and nothing brought it into being. Even before the Big Bang, somehow the universe had to be in existence, right? And he would hold on to that. But the problem was, in Albert Einstein's lifetime, scientists began to understand that, that what is now scientific fact, that the universe is still expanding. We're not finding just new planets and galaxies we have learned that new planets and galaxies are still being created. That space is continuing to expand. And what this does scientifically and logically is it says, well, if the universe is still expanding, well, then at some point, it was nothing. At some point, it had to have a beginning. It had to have a cause. So now my options are limited. I can no longer believe in a universal universe. That's off the table. Something had to create the universe. God. There has to be something without a cause that's out there. And when someone says, well, what created God? Who caused God? Nothing. As a matter of fact, that's why he's the correct answer. God cannot have a creator. He cannot have a cause. There has to be something that is eternal, that's universal, that's always is and always was, above time, above morality, above space, above physics, something that's 
writing that script, and that is God, and he has no creator and no cause. He's always been and always will be. And here's what that gives us. It gives us this hope for eternity. It gives us this hope for eternity, because if God is real, I now can have hope for eternity. And all of us know that, that if there is an eternal God and the supernatural is real, that the natural will pass away, but something, some part of us will now always live forever. If God is spirit and truth, that means he doesn't have a description, he doesn't have a race, he doesn't have a gender, he is just simply God and he exists in spirit and someday my body will, will cease to exist, my body will end, however my spirit will now exist with God. And I can have hope for eternity, this is why for generations and in every culture there is a belief in some sort of afterlife. Because we know that the ability to love and to think and to reason and to feel is not just as instinctive, it's a part of who we are, body, mind, and spirit. And my spirit now lives forever. And I can hope that this God who is eternal now can care for my eternal existence, my everlasting life. And in John chapter 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world, right, he gave. His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him, in Jesus, will have, you ready for it? What's the next word? Everlasting life. That's the hope that we have. That's the hope that we have in this real God. That God exists, somehow He's going to show Himself, somehow He's going to demonstrate that His control, somehow He's going to reveal His plan. And He did that, He revealed that in the person of Jesus. When God became flesh, if you're saying, I don't believe in God because I don't think He's ever showed up, listen, I got to tell you, this whole Jesus thing is going to blow your mind, right? God did show up in an incredible and amazing way, and He showed up through the person of Jesus so that you and I could have some physical example of what it is to know God, to, to think like God, to be like God, to have, to have some way to relate to this unrelatable being. He gave us Jesus. And Jesus showed up on this planet through miraculous intervention by God to give us hope for eternity. The third thing that Paul says is he says, listen, God can do miracles, not me. God can do miracles, not me. I'm not much of a miracle worker. I'm not much of a builder. I'm not much of a fixer. You don't want me to help make your car do things. Like, that's not, that's not my place. But God can do incredible things. Paul reminds these group of God, God believers that, that in, in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, it talks about how God, uh, with an uplifted arm, led them, the people of Israel, out of Egypt. Read the book of Exodus and you're going to see some miraculous stuff, starting with like the 10 plagues. Is God in charge of frogs? You betcha. He sent a whole bunch of them over a nation. He's in charge of animals. He's in charge of locusts. He's in charge of life and death. He's in charge of, of light and dark. He's in charge of rivers and oceans. And he shows all these things through the 10 plagues. And he brings the people out of Egypt. And they're escaping Egypt. He hardens and softens hearts. And he, he helps people get, get out of jail free, right? And they're trying to get away from the Egyptians. And they come up to this giant sea. Well, what are they going to do about this giant sea? God says, no problem. Let me just part the waters. And he parts the waters in one of the most miraculous stories in all of scripture. God can make dry land over water, right? And he does all these incredible miraculous acts all through the entire Old Testament. 
And miracle after miracle after miracle demonstrates God's reality, God's existence. Things that shouldn't be possible are possible. Why? Because God exists. And if God exists, then it, it, it isn't irrational. It isn't silly. It isn't a blind faith. It isn't an illogical faith to believe that God can raise someone from the dead. And if you're sitting here going, dead people don't rise. That's the point. That's exactly right. And so when it happens, it's miraculous. When it happens, it's world-changing. When it happens, it clearly demonstrates the existence of God who is over all things, above all things, in all things, and under all things. God is the author of life and death, and to prove it, Jesus rose from the dead. It reminds me of the evidence of design. The evidence of design simply states this, that if something is complicated, it has to have a more intelligent designer. And so whenever you see something that has design, it kind of should blow your mind and to say, wait a minute, who made that? Let me give you an example. I've got something I want to show you. Just bear with me for a second. Oh, excuse me, kids. I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, obey your parents. Yep. I want to introduce you to Abe. Anyone see the resemblance? Abe, top hat, president we all once knew, right? This is Abe. Now, now, when you would meet Abe walking down the street, right, which I don't know if Abe walks, you would go, huh, an Amazon truck must have thrown up. <laughs> now, now, here's what we all know is not true, beyond a shadow of a doubt. There is no Amazon truck that got in an accident or that we shook, or shook all the boxes in the back and then dumped them out, and then they just happened to randomly fall into place like this. This is too complicated for that, Right? I want to I point out some amazing factors. Abe can wave, right? Isn't that something? And if Abe is feeling tired, he li lifts this hand with his coffee cup, yeah? And he drinks coffee. That doesn't just happen, my friends. There has to be a creator. And you might say to yourself, well, where did Abe come from? We decided to start limiting my son's screen time a couple of weeks ago. And this is the result of that limited screen time. He disappeared into the garage one day for a couple of hours and showed up later and goes, look what I made, right? He all by himself, without help of any of his parents, put Abe together, top hat and all. And I'm like, that looks like a president I once knew. And Abe has been living in our house ever since. The creator, the designer of Abe is a fourth grade boy named Will. And you knew there had to be a designer out there. Now let me just think for a second, and Abe can't stand on himself, so we're going to go have him stand next to Dan when he plays the cello. <laughs> when it comes to this world, the chances of everything fitting perfectly into place, and what science calls this is the fine-tuning of the universe, for everything to actually be perfect, the temperature, the distance from the sun, the radius of our planet, the ability of our lungs and our minds to function together, for life to exist, for life to reproduce, for us to survive, all of those things, the chances for all that to happen is mathematically 10 to the 138th power. That's 10 followed by 138 zeros. 
Mathematically, do you know what that means? It's impossible. It's impossible. The only way that we exist is miraculous at best. For a comparison, the number of atoms that we know exist are 10 to the 70th, 70th power. Atoms. Atoms. The things that make all of us up. There are, more atom, there are less atoms in this world than the chance of us existing. When you start thinking about this planet, let me just tell you something. There are animals that breathe air that live underwater. What? Well, how does that happen? And there's lots of them, and they're gorgeous, and they're beautiful, and they're terrifying, and they bite your face off if you swim in the ocean at dusk, right? Like, that stuff happens. And then there's this incredible landscapes and Grand Canyons and mountains and peaks and valleys all over this world, and sunrises and sunsets. There's this incredible thing called life and the reproduction of life. I know atheists, I've seen videos, who didn't believe in God, who had a baby and held their baby and said, I believe in God. And the intricacy of what's inside of our minds and our eyes and even something like a flower. How does that exist? It has to have a cause. It has to have a cause. There has to be somebody out there who can do miracles. Now, if God is real, I can have help in times of trouble. If God is real, I can have help in times of trouble. If he can make that mountain, he can help me with my finances. If he can dig a grand canyon and create a vast ocean, he can help me with my marriage. If he can create stars and Saturn and Jupiter and the entire galaxy, he can help me parent a junior high student. God can help me with my diagnosis. He can help me with my future. He can give me counsel and wisdom. He can step in in times of trouble. Where there is darkness, he can send in light. I can have help in trouble. In John 16, he says this, friends, in this world, you will have, guarantee it, trouble. But take heart. I, God, have overcome the world. Whatever you're facing today, whatever trouble you're, you're carrying, whatever you're holding, there is a God who is a miracle worker that is here to help. And you can run towards him in times of trouble or you can run away. So the question that I have for you this morning is simply this, do you believe in God? Most people do. But if you believe in God, if you believe in the existence of a higher power, listen to what Paul says in 1332 after explaining all of these things to a room full of God-believers, if you believe in God, listen, we then bring you good news. You ready for it? That what God promised to the fathers, what he predicted, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus from the dead. Good news we live in a broken world. We have sin and pain and trouble. We have a distance from God that we can't bridge, a gap that we can't jump over. There's got to be some hope for our lives. There's got to be some forgiveness for our sin. There's got to be some way to have eternal life. And there is. Jesus is alive. He's alive and well today. We serve a risen Savior. We celebrate the one who has conquered sin and death and given us a path to God. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You can know God personally and intimately 
through Jesus Christ who is alive. Amen? Amen. That's Easter. That's Easter. And in this good news that Jesus is alive, therefore, through this, man's forgiveness of sin proclaimed to you, and by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything. Freed from control. Freed from death. Free from sin. Free. Free at last. We are free in the person of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you've always believed in God, you've always believed in a higher power, but you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I want to tell you right now is the time where you can say, I was wrong. I know that I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've put too much faith in myself, and I've now got to put faith in the God of this universe. Today can be the day where you can receive forgiveness of sins once and for all, you can be, 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 be the day of your new birth. This can be the day where you receive Jesus as your own personal Savior. You know why? For God so loved you. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes, that if you believe, you can have eternal life. The Apostle John says to us, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. But if you believe in God, 90% of people do. If you believe in God, believe also in me. How do I become born again? You simply have to have a conversation with Jesus. Have a conversation with God today. Repenting of your sin and putting your faith and trust in God and God alone. You cannot save yourself. There is no religion that saves you. There is no baptism that saves you. There is no good work that saves you. There is only the cross. And when we are born again, we come to this place where you realize, I personally need a savior, and his name is Jesus. I am a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I now put my faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, who I believe died on the cross and rose again for me from the dead. And I now want to accept the free gift of salvation. I did that when I was a young man, and it has changed my life. I don't just know Jesus exists because of morality or because of causality or because of intelligent design. I know that Jesus exists because I talk with him every day. He showed up with me this morning. Oh man, did he show up with me this morning. I got a story for you that I don't have time to tell. But me and Jesus had some time together and I cried about it. I know he's alive. And I know he's my savior. And I know there's hope for me forever. You can have that hope today. I want you to see one story of one life that's been transformed through hope in Jesus. Hi, my name is Chloe Hebert. I am from Pottstown and I found Branch Life church through the internet actually but more so by the work of god uh, my family had not been to church for uh, quite some time for a few years and we you know have just privately done our practice i prayed the one day when i became devout in july that i wanted to find a church that could really help me explore devotion and what that really means to me so I went on and I googled churches in the area <laughs> and there was a huge list of churches but I was scrolling down the list and I only went it was the fourth one I will not forget it 
the fourth church on the list, I clicked on it, was the only one I clicked on, boom, found my church here and there. I came to know and follow Jesus actually through my challenges. There was a reading in my Jesus Calling book that I had seen recently about challenges are actually chances for us to grow with God, not against. And my story, I think, perfectly depicts that. Um, I struggled a lot growing up with a very abusive bullying situation in school, which led, of course, to the depletion of my mental health and my physical health. With that being said, after a very, very long battle with those mental health problems and just my struggles with my like not really having a place to go because the kids that lived around me were not kind to me either and it eventually led to me almost committing suicide in that moment in that day that i was going to go through with that i heard this loud voice say no now I was petrified because I was like, I'm home alone, who is in here with me? But I heard no and I just, I just fell to the ground and started sobbing. And all I heard was, no, don't do it, I love you. You have so much in store. I promise, just keep going. And that was the day that I knew Jesus was my savior. He quite literally came in and saved me. I'm so grateful for that. Someone who really helped me identify and study and come to know the gospel was my grandfather, my pop. God rest his soul, he was an amazing man that would teach me about parts of the Bible. I actually, when I did go to church occasionally since we didn't have a Christian church, I grew up in a Catholic church, so he would sometimes sit down and dissect the Bible with me. We'd have, like, Dairy Queen should have sponsored us because we were always there, but we would have Bible and ice cream time. And it was one of my favorite moments that really helped me kind of understand the big overall meanings and messages portrayed in the Bible and what God really wants us to do with our lives. Supporting me in my baptism today are my loving, wonderful parents as well as my crazy aunt, uncle, and big sister, my best friend, and another close friend that I went to high school with. Thank you all so very much. I know a lot of my educators, teachers, parents, friends, family have been so supportive, and even those that cannot be there in person today have been so supportive on the Facebook and other media outlets, and I'm just very, very grateful for all the light and the love that my community shines on me, especially with my faith. Let's give Chloe a big round of applause. Isn't that exciting? I'll tell you, baptism days are some of our favorite days here at Branch, some of my favorite days, and, and we can't, can't wait to hear more stories of how God has changed your life. Maybe today is the moment where your story changes, and I want to invite you into some, some times of reflection. In just a moment, I'm going to lead us in a prayer together, and then the worship team is going to play for us a couple of songs, and all of these times are designed for one thing, for you to respond to whatever God is asking you to do. Maybe for you, it's a response to the gospel. Maybe today is the day where you need to decide, I, I need to become a follower of Jesus. And you can make that decision right now in the quietness of this moment, right where you're seated. If you have any questions about the gospel, you can go to our online site, the gospel tab. You can take a picture of this QR and head there at any time. 
and do some reflecting at a later moment. Or after the service, you can come up and talk to the prayer team who's available for you if you have any questions or if you have any prayer needs of any kind. We want to invite you to do those things. And, and maybe, like Chloe, you've already accepted Jesus as your Savior, but you have not yet been baptized. We would love to call you into this moment of baptism. It doesn't save you. It's the public proclamation of what God has already done. He's alive. And this symbolizes his death and resurrection. The standing way that we are witnesses of God to our world. So if you have not yet been baptized, let's get that done. Why? Because God is alive and well. And we want to celebrate him. And maybe for you, your next step is just coming back again. And stepping into community of faith, into a place. If you don't have a home church that you can call home, well, we want to invite you to be a part of our family. And you can join us next week as we tackle the skeptical question, how do we know for sure Jesus actually rose from the dead? That's super important. And we're going to talk about that awesome question next week. And we want to invite you to be a part of just that. Can I ask you to spend some time in reflection this morning and ask God to speak to each and every one of our hearts? Lord, as we bow our head and close our eyes, in these moments we come to you and we say, God, show us our next steps. Show us our response. And maybe it's a raised hand in worship. Maybe, God, we sing a little bit louder. Maybe it's a time of personal confession. Lord, we confess our sins and you ask us to forgive us. Maybe it's a response into the gospel, Lord. Maybe it's a response into the church community, Lord. Maybe it's just taking that step of baptism. Maybe it's just appreciating the presence of God even here, even now. We thank you, Lord, that we can serve a risen Savior who we can respond to. And God, we ask that you would move powerfully in our hearts in these next several moments. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you're not sure if you're saved, you're not sure if you're born again, but this morning you would like to make sure, can I invite you simply to pray this prayer quietly as I pray it out loud? If you're ready to confess with your heart and believe, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, pray this prayer quietly in this moment. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner and I am sorry for my sin. Lord, I believe Jesus came. He died on the cross and he rose again for me and today I want to accept the free gift of salvation today I want to be born again will you come into my life and save me today I'm choosing to become a follower and a believer in Jesus in these moments if you've made that confession the angels are rejoicing and we the church are delighted to welcome you home and into the family I want to ask you to let us know that you prayed that prayer simply by marking on your connection card. Today, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. We'd love to know that. As a matter of fact, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to make you do anything else but this. If you've prayed to accept Jesus today for assurance of your salvation, would you simply raise your hand? I want to pray for you, not by name, but by number. Is there anyone that would raise their hand this morning and say, pray for me, Josh, today I've decided to follow Jesus? Raise your hand high so I can see it. All over the room, thank you for those hands. Any others? Today I've decided to follow Jesus. Praise God. Praise God for those responses. Lord, today in these, in these moments, we simply worship you. We pray over these, our new brothers and sisters in Christ, who are now followers of Jesus. Give us all confidence in the faith that, that God is real and that Jesus is alive. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening through this talk in our Problem of God series. And we hope that the discussion today helped answer some questions that you might have about faith. 
and that you've taken a step further in your spiritual journey. Before you go, make sure to fill out your connection card at branchlife.church. We'd love to know that you joined us through this video session today. If you have any questions about what we covered, that's the place to ask those questions. We hope that you'll join us again next time, and thanks again for being a part of this series.